sweet of him. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes all running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. Andy here with a Shadows of Your Mind preview show. This is for the upcoming December issue that should be out round about the 11th of December as we record this. Um, I've got Dave Partridge from Shadows of Your Mind magazine joining me. Dave, how are we? I'm very well, Andy. How are you? I am spectacular. Listen, Dave, um, lots to pack into this one. uh, And these previous shows have proven popular with the listeners because hopefully it's found you some more readers of the magazine. Again, I can't stress enough, as I have done so in the past, it's free. It's an incredible magazine. The work, the quality that goes into it is better than anything you will buy off the shelves. I promise people that. I'm not just saying that. I just wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. Um, And not just because Dave's a friend either. So the the magazine is top quality. And the December issue is almost ready, Dave, isn't it? Uh, What can we expect this month? What's your your big highlights? Well, firstly, I should possibly point out that uh, this was supposed to come out in September. Um, But obviously, I've had, you know, people who know me know that I've been gone through a uh, pretty tired time in the last few months um, which is why it's been delayed. However, back in April, I spoke to Chase Kletsky, um, the wonderful Chase, who graciously agreed to be the guest editor of this issue. Um, and we decided we'd do a, a focus on the women of ufology, um, basically because I can't recall any podcast, documentary, or magazine ever doing one before. I mean, ufology is generally considered to be um like an old man's an old guard kind of topic you know 95 percent predominantly male researchers investigators um authors and you know i thought it was high time that you know the the female side of it um you know we kind of celebrate all those women who do put in the work uh, and aren't quite as recognized as their male counterparts yeah, that's a that's a fair comment. I know I had an email some time ago. I don't get it often, but from from a, a listener, and it was just to highlight, you know, there was a lot more male guests than female. Um, not something that was ever deliberate, but like you say, the the numbers in ufology, especially in the past, were heavily weighted towards that probably older male demographic, and I think that definitely has changed over the last few years. Um, not to spoil some of the the names on the cover, Dave, but you know, Christina Gomez has her podcast. 
You've got Diana Pasulka at right back in the headlines recently with a, a book coming out. She's going to be on the show. Chase Klutsky, guest editor, has been on the podcast. Shao Ma, Deborah Katz, uh, and others as well. And there are more and more women who have been prominent in the past. Paola Harris, again, to name another. Uh, but I think you're starting to see a new generation of podcasters maybe magazine writers you know bloggers maybe is is a more modern term for that starting to come up and really show themselves and and prove that they're as good if not better than what's that what's been before and that can be that can be only a good thing for the subject isn't it it's another voice regardless of of gender yeah absolutely and what i really wanted to uh, delve into in this article is to show that you know this isn't a new thing there have been plenty of women who have put in the work and the research over the years um but because this subject has been viewed as predominantly a male orientated subject you know they've these individuals have been kind of pushed to the wayside a little bit um and whether that was you know because of the you know the stigma and the signs of the times you know it's all right saying, oh, that's just how it was back then, but it wasn't all right because, you know, we, as we've seen in the last couple of years, you know, everybody should be treated equally, you know, regardless of subject, topic or whatever, you know, and I think, um, you know, highlighting some of the great work that was done in the past um, is going to be a way to kind of find some sort of balance within the subject, which I think is sorely needed. You know, for example, you look at APRO and NICAP, the UFO, you know, civilian research organizations of the past. I mean, APRO was started by Carol Lorenzen, who is held in very high regard by um, people like Richard Dolan, um, just for the amount of work that she put in and the amount she contributed to the subject. So, you know, going back from the 50s and then through the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, you know, right up to present day, I want to show that there's women out there that you need to actually research yourself and have a look at the work they were doing at the time absolutely uh, let me ask because i i think i asked you this way back at the at the time when you announced it or, or you let some of us know privately it was going to happen chase being the guest editor yeah what does a guest editor do <laughs> um basically uh i had discussions with chase regarding the content of the issue um it doesn't mean that she's um going through and choosing all the interviews and deciding who goes in who doesn't go in you know it's basically um it's more of a badge a badge of honor basically um where it takes a little bit of the pressure off me um chase will, has come up with some really good ideas she interviews interviews bryce sable in the issue um that was done off her own back and it's just generally getting another voice other than kind of like my own in the editorial of the magazine so um you know she came up with the top 10 feature which is uh, kind of like a back to basics of american north american cryptids um you know and she's been suggesting a few things as we've gone along you know it's been I can't thank her enough for the patience that she's shown over the last few months as well. It's been, you know, she's been brilliant. I imagine it'll show in the the end product of the issue that it's a little bit better than normal, Dave, having <laughs> having Chase having Chase's touch there to, to fix out um, yeah, absolutely. all your sloppy mistakes. But no, you, you, you have a very high standard to adhere to, so I imagine Chase is the perfect person to kind of keep that going with you. Oh, yeah, um, and she'll, hey, she'll tell me if it's not. That's the good thing about it. You know, if I've done something wrong, 
Um, and I've run, you know, everything that I've cobbled together for the issue, I've run by her and to get her opinion. And, you know, this, uh, you know, at the time of us recording this, um, the Women of Ufology feature isn't quite finished. But when I do finish it, I will be sending it to Chase for her comments. And I can guarantee that she'll uh, tell me if I've done something wrong. Awesome. Dave, um, what have been some of the the issues you've had? This is something we spoke about off air in terms of the the piece itself and, and women in ufology in terms of some of the reaction. Um, well, I've kind of hinted at this during, you know, over the last few weeks. Um, and it's people wanting to know, you know, I did put a tweet out some time ago saying, if I was to do a feature like this, who would be your top female researchers in the subject? And you get a few names banded back and forth. Um, when I tweeted out, um, you know, I'd mock up the cover and see what works, what doesn't, and put some headshots on there. And it's not necessarily just those people who are on the cover who will be in that feature. Um, I mean, the list I have is pushing like 50 different names covering different areas of ufology, whether it be research, investigations, authors, um, you know, documentary makers. So there's a good scope of um, people that are going to be in the magazine, but they're not necessarily represented either on the cover or, you know, in, you know, a, a tweet is only so many characters and not everybody has a Twitter account. So I can't, you know, I can't tag everybody as well, which is a shame, but, you know, there's going to be a good, a good variation of uh, characters in there. Yeah, I think that's just natural as well. Like I, I've, oh, yeah. I've done it in the past where you want to to mention if someone says, "Oh, mention a podcast or, or some recent interviews that have been really good," then I'll see, "Oh, yeah, there was Ryan Spriggs or Luis Jimenez or there was this," and you you don't mention any number of others, and it's not because out of spite or anything bad it's just you you can't mention everyone and can't see everyone and in the same breath i don't get upset or offended when i'm not mentioned in any lists or or names like that so like you like you say it's there's just there's always someone you're going to have to disappoint and it's, it's nice though that people are so passionate that they've got favorite researchers and they have oh, yeah. favorite bloggers or favorite podcasters and and they want to speak up and like you say you're you're the type of guy who goes yeah that that's great and there's there's 50 people 50 women pointed out and singled out and highlighted within this issue which is a huge number anyway especially when it's well normally it's one person but you've got chase helping out as well now but that's a huge amount of work still to undertake just for a what's a very small team of two yeah exactly and you know when i first had the idea of this i thought oh you know i should be able to get you know 20 people you know if i stick to 20 that'll be fine but as i was going through and doing the research you know more and more names were coming out and as i was reading other books um, you know, there'd be someone else highlighted in the older books. And I meant I had to go back and, um, you know, kind of do a lot more research um, than I originally considered I'd have to do, which was brilliant. I mean, off the back of this as well, you know, I've purchased, um, you know, a few more books by some of these authors in there. Um, so I'm hoping that it lets people, you know, just check out a few of the names, check out their work and uh, maybe learn something new. Because I'm, even though there's going to be like 50 names in there or so, um, undoubtedly I would have missed people out. And, you know, that, like you said, that's not through spite or anything like that. Although, you know, there's a couple I've missed out for, you know, obvious reasons. But, um, you know, it's because when you're doing a feature 
of this magnitude, you do forget people from time to time. And especially when you're working on your own as well, or, um, you know, even, you know, running a few names past Chase, that, as I have done in the past, there are going to be names that just slip by the wayside because they're not in your kind of, um, they're not in your sphere at that time. Yeah. Or you kind of concentrate on something else and, you know, a name will get bypassed and that's, you know, it's just how it is. It's just, I want to just point out it wasn't deliberate or it isn't going to be yeah, deliberate. No, it's, it's just a slip of the mind. And that's it. And there's, there's there's fifty people within there, and I'm looking forward to for to checking it out myself, Dave. Um, there's a lot of other great content though coming up in this, and we won't spoil yeah. it for everyone, and we want people to go out and check the magazine out. Um, but there's a few highlights we wanted to mention: uh, George Knapp and Colm Kelleher, Skinwalkers mm-hmm. at the Pentagon. What were you chatting about with the gents? Well, I think when that book came out, it took everybody by surprise. No one had an inkling that that was coming out um, in the UFO community. Because I think the first time that most people knew of it is when Leslie Keane tweeted it, retweeted, um, you know, it's like everyone suddenly goes onto Amazon and buys it, um, breaks Amazon's system. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was the talking to them and talking about uh, behind the scenes at Bass um, while they were working in conjunction with ORSAP, it was really interesting to get uh, Dr. Keller's kind of point of view. Um, into the processes involved with the setting up of Bass, after, you know, pretty much as soon as the Bigelow signed the contracts um, with Orsat with the DoD, and so we get a good insight into that. And we spoke to George a bit about um, the material he got from the documents and material he got from Russia. I don't mean material as in debris. I mean just the information. Yeah. You need to clear that one up. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to uh, start vicious rumors like that. Uh, but yeah, it's just really good speaking to them and getting a first-hand account of what they were doing um, because we only know of like ATIP as kind of this this little group that was headed by Lou Elizondo and did investigations into military encounters with uh, UAP. But when it was mentioned in Skinwalkers of the Pentagon that ATIP was a nickname given to ORSAP for the, um, you know, for the reasons they needed to get through it needed to get funding. That was especially interesting, I think, because you had one one version of ATIP that wasn't the version of ATIP that we already knew about. And that's it's interesting that's still causing so much controversy now oh, online. Even a few yeah. days ago there was a, a huge debate kicking off. I think Joe Murgia was was involved and a few others about the the wording, the language, are people being derogatory towards OSAP and ATIP and it still stirs up a lot of emotions for some people that these two acronyms, which essentially not to say they were exactly the same thing, but you know, one was almost a predecessor to the other and not to kick off all those arguments and discussions, but it's it's amazing how much it can bring to the to the boil with people uh, and how how much emotion it can evoke it is and rather than the fact that you know there was actually a body like this that existed to investigate yes. these kind of things you know it's, exactly that's the whole point of it it doesn't matter what it was called or who was involved it's the fact that it actually happened and had funding to be able to do what it needed to do it's like arguing over the name of the Ghostbusters in the original lineups, isn't it? Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, no. never mind the fact that they busted ghosts and ran around New York in the eighties, and it's like, yeah, but they used to be called this, but yeah, then they were called this, but yeah, he used to be in that lineup, and then he was in the crossover, and it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, we're we're losing sight of the fact that this group went and 
caught ghosts and this was yeah. their job and yeah you're, you're absolutely right it's it's incredible what people have to have to nitpick over but i suppose some of those details are important but i've i've said before i'm not a details guy i just think like you say it's incredible to hear about the the content that went on within these organizations and even if small details here and there over time are lost or or a bit hazy for various different reasons incredible to read about and always great to read george and colm or listen to them depending on the medium you've you've chosen yeah Um, absolutely you had um, a few other interviews lined up with people like John Majorowski, uh, Bob Spearing. Um, what were they talking about? Yeah, I mean, John Majorowski, if people don't know him, he has a, a YouTube channel called UFOs on the Level. Um, and he's basically a Freemason uh, with a UFO uh, YouTube channel. Um, but it was I've been speaking to him for, you know, the best part of a year. And he's a really, really cool guy. Um I mean, if you haven't checked out his channel, then uh, take a look at some of the videos. I mean, he doesn't hold back. He approaches everything with a degree of intelligence. But I wanted to get the story behind um, his, well, his Masonic journey from when he decided to become a Freemason and how he's adapted his life to basically serve the Brotherhood and what he's actually doing in tying all that with uh, UFOs and you know, everything else associated with a to- topic like consciousness and things like that. So it was really good to hear, get an inside kind of story on, um, yeah, what a Freemason does and how they go about getting to where he is. Because he's, he's not just a regular Freemason, he's part of other kind of brotherhoods. Um, but, um, well, it's all in the interview, to be honest. I don't want to say too much about uh, who he's a member of. Yeah, absolutely, and and John is someone I I DM'd a little while back, and I would I would quite like to speak to him on the the podcast, hopefully in the new year as well. So, um, I'll I'll, I'll drop you a message to to maybe speak to John for me. Um, I know he does quite a lot of podcasting himself, and like you say with the YouTube channel and and whatnot. But yeah, really interesting, very nice gentleman as well. Yeah, um, and Bob Spearing. Bob, now this is Bob Spearing. Yeah, he's one. um he's he's a MUFON investigator. Uh, sorry, state director. Uh, for Northern California, if if I remember, um, I think or was that someone else? You know, I've had so many move on state directors in my head at the moment. <laughs> I can't remember who does what or where. But Bob is someone that we featured in the magazine before. Um, his previous article was um, "Have UFOs contributed to the changing of the color of the paint of cars during interactions and encounters?" Which was quite a bizarre, but fascinating article but this one he's examining um the phenomena of alien abductions and why people are told you know kind of like do not worry we're not here to harm you uh, don't be afraid um but he puts it in such a way that it seems like whenever people are told this it's not they're kind of almost too polite about it and that's something that he wanted to examine over the um over the course of this uh, 13 page article so yeah he, it's quite a big one but he's got a book coming out based on this as well so uh, yeah that'd be good to get my hands on that as well awesome uh, that's something again I'll, I'll hopefully get bob on to talk about his book that's that's due out um on that because that's that's really interesting especially to drill down into that niche of of yeah. one particular part of alien abductions not just the the abduction experience itself but that that very 
very small detail, but it's a huge thing, isn't it? Because there's so much chatter even now about threat narratives and mm-hmm. you know people being abducted against their will, but it's a very wholesome experience some of the time, but then other times it isn't. But regardless, it's, it's something that you don't necessarily want to happen. But yeah, so that, that's an interesting one for me. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, one of the other uh, interviews that we have got is with L.A. Marzulli, um, who's kind of big on uh, the Nephilim, the Watchers, um, ancient archaeology, giants, that kind of thing. And he's he's also done a lot of research with Chase as well. So that was uh, a perfect interview to include in the issue. And um, I got to speak to him about his kind of life story. Um, <clears throat> and when people will read it, it, it is, he had quite an incredible um first 30 or 40 years of his life which was totally unrelated to uh, anything that he's doing now but it's, it's definitely worth a read you know just from the personal standpoint and uh, how he got to where he is today again that'll be interesting i am familiar with ellie marzulli from uh, uh howard hughes unexplained podcast mm-hmm. uh, a regular on on howard's show so that'll be an interesting one to hear about the the background and anyone listening to this knows i like the the dives into people's histories as well and how they got to where they are now and i think how those people have had their lives shaped can really help influence and understand the context of what they talk about why they talk about it and and those kind of experiences that have led them to be kind of names or figureheads or, or prominent people within within ufology basically yeah absolutely um you know some of the stuff he was talking to me about i was just blown away um you know what that guy went through in the early part of his life um was just astounding can, can you give any small tease without ruining the article um he wrote music for a 56 piece um buddhist orchestra uh, sorry, okay. not, was it a Buddhist orchestra? It was. It was definitely uh, an orchestra in an ashram um, of Eastern mysticism. So yeah, that's that's one just one small piece of his former life. A very interesting life, definitely. Anyway, and also um, last couple of bits, Dave, just to round off the preview, um, you've got some stuff on flight JK two nine seven. Yep. Yeah, um, and this is one that's possibly not so well known, but has been kind of hinted at. Um, in the last 12 months or so, um, basically this could be the first and only case of a UFO causing a plane to turn around and return to its starting point. Um, it was basically a plane in 1979 that was flying from Mallorca to um, Tenerife. Um, so it's going over Spain, the Mediterranean, Pillars of Hercules, that kind of area. And the captain... Um, saw some lights he was on to air traffic control about it and you know the spanish government got involved it was all kinds of you know different bizarre happenings that happened during this flight in a period of like three or four hours um and eventually you know the plane just returned to its original starting point and uh well actually it turned around and went to valencia i think um but yeah, that's really good seeing the, um, there's a transcript of the conversation between the pilot and air traffic control, which is uh, quite eye-opening. It's an interesting one because it's 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 a, it's a delicate area to go into, especially when 
we've had so many planes disappear or, or crash over the years because at the end of the day there's a human element to this it's not just an object crashing there obviously this one turned round, but some of the, the flights that go missing there are people who lose loved ones and and all that kind of stuff which is horrible yeah but there's the conversation of you know those odd occasions where th- there may have been that chance that there's been something exotic happened which is an incredible conversation to have but it, it airs on that really unsettling side doesn't it and it makes me think of for example the the opening scenes of, of fringe the tv show if you ever watched <laughs> yeah. that um where the the, the plane lands and everyone's kind of dissolved or um some of the x-files episodes are just that that you're it's so vulnerable that you're up there 30 40 50 000 feet in the air and i get again that would hear about these pilots seeing these objects 40 or 50 feet from them and how terrifying an experience that must be to suddenly feel so vulnerable exactly in, um, in any type know. of aircraft yeah sorry go on no, no, that was it. Yeah, just to say, like, even All if right. you're a pilot of a commercial aircraft, or you're a passenger, or you're a Top Gun F eighteen, F twenty two pilot, to to suddenly not know what you're dealing with. Yeah, and this is exactly um, you know relating to some of the wording we've seen in uh, you know this new bill that's being passed is that is there a threat to civilian air traffic? Um, you know, and these, there were Spanish fighter jets um, scrambled. To you know, check out these lights that this pilot was seeing. So you know, they're not just going to uh, send up some, you know, Spanish Air Force fighters just for the hell of it. You know, it's, it's not going to be a reflection of Venus off the w- cockpit windscreen, is it? Absolutely. So yeah, I'm really looking forward again to that. It's, it's shaping up to be a very good issue, Dave. And uh, there's a lot more included, but finally, we were going to mention you've got an interview with Dr. Irina Scott. Yeah, I mean, uh, if anyone knows Dr. Irina Scott, you know, um, she's based in america um i think it's university of colorado or cornell university or somewhere like that uh, but she's done a lot of work on ball lightning and plasmas in the past um but she's taken a look at the other evidence um around the famous pascagoula case um calvin parker and charles higson um, which happened in Mississippi in 73, was it? You've had Calvin on, haven't you? I have, yeah. I mean, that was one of the, the early shows now. Um, yeah. And that was one that I, I wouldn't even call an interview, but not in the in the way that Stephen Bassett or Grant Cameron just talked. I uh, I just let Calvin come on and, and retell his story, and that was, in, that was incredible to hear. Um, it's, let me ask you, though, and this is maybe something we can dive into, and it, it was 1973, sorry, to answer mm-hmm. your question, yeah. The, this, sub, this, this event, you say 73 was, was 50 years ago almost. It's a long time, and we are still seeing quite regular literature or updates and new witnesses and new statements coming from a very, very old case. Is it something that you still feel there is merit in, personally? Well, I think when it first came out uh, a couple of years ago, when you know um, the first book came out by Calvin Parker, um, a film called The Pascagoula Incident, um, it was a relatively kind of unknown case at the time. It wasn't so famous as possibly Travis Walton or um, you know Betty and Barney Hill. It was one of those cases that people had always been aware of, but never known too much of the details because there weren't there wasn't the information available. Yeah. Um, but I think since those books have come out, um, there was another one, I think, 
um, a follow-up to it. Since they've come out, there have been more and more people looking into it and going back through the records and the newspapers and looking for interviews around the time that the incident happened. And there are there is corroborative evidence from other witnesses, um, you know, and other people just confirming that something was seen over the Mississippi River in where the Pascagoula area. Um, so I think it lends credit to Calvin Parker. But yeah, like you said, there is a hell of a lot of material coming out. And at some point, you know, when is enough enough? Um, yeah. Or when is it too much? Because, you know, with some cases, you do run the risk of oversaturating it, like we've seen with Roswell, like we've seen with Rendlesham. You know, if you put too much information out there, people just get bored of it. Yeah. Um, and, until like 10 years down the line. And then, you know, perhaps the new generation will pick it up. And then the conversation starts again. It's an interesting one, like you say. It's been so long, and there was nothing for so many decades like social media or the internet no. for for stories like this to to really circulate internationally. Out with of you know newsletters or niche magazines or the odd documentary or, or like you know strange but true on TV, mm-hmm. and and then these stories have persisted. I think because of the how long they've been around, but then really controversially. Slightly surprisingly, but um, the the Penturk episode that myself and Graham and yourself done recently yeah. uh, has caused a lot of debate online, especially on the the YouTube channel. You can see a lot of people debating on there about the validity, and that's something that only happened a couple of years ago. But you can see already the divisiveness that's caused by witnesses or one particular witness who is adding more and more. Even the the day or so after we released that episode, there was more information came out from the the same witness changing the story and adding to the story. Yeah. And again, for me, it's just like you say, okay, the, an interesting story. You can believe it or not believe it, and then all of a sudden, more information comes out. And then, in the space of a few weeks, more information comes out. And then a couple of years later, it's a case of are they trying to keep this alive? just by fueling the fire over and over and over again. And like you say, there comes a point, whether it's 50 years or, or five years, you know, what is the complete story? Or are yeah. we just always going to get something else added on to that, that fire? And it happened with Roswell for a long, long time as well. Yeah. I mean, not to uh, put too much, crit, you know, more about Penturk, I think. The fact that the supporters of that story they are just going on blind faith of what that one witness is saying um, in the face of all the contradictory evidence where there's actual documentation. Um, And, you know, there was even an article in um, a UK magazine a couple of years ago where that witness has actually debunked herself within that article, you know, unknowingly, although she tries to shake it off as, oh, but, it can't be that just because they've said so, you know, this obviously happens. It, there's, she's very certain of what happened. Um, and it's her word or nobody's word in her case, I think. It's certainly interesting, like you say, with, with cases that are so old and it's hard to disprove them yeah. because there's, there's such a, maybe a lack of that evidence or data, but modern day, and this is probably to the detriment of, of anyone, I suppose, in the modern day trying to come forward with a UFO case that we would never discourage, is that there there's the potential for so much more data 
that you're always going to be under more scrutiny, which is which is probably perfectly natural and maybe that's a good heads up for, for a future issue for you, Dave, as well. I might <laughs> yeah, stretch, stretch myself to write in one of your articles one time if you wanted to, to, yeah. to attempt that. Um, but Dave, what's in the works for any uh, future issues that you may have planned? Have you got anything you could tease, anything you've got on the drawing board just now? Um, yeah, well, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but I am... I have started collecting material for a book on Welsh UFO cases. Lovely. Um, which, you know, is really fascinating. I've been buying uh, some of the older books from the 1970s relating to the uh, Duffet Enigma, um, the whole Broadhaven Welsh Triangle area. Um, so, yeah, I've been in touch with uh, Sufon as well regarding the material that they're holding. And, yeah, I'm just really going to dig into that for the first six months of next year and hopefully uh, get something out towards the end of next year. Um, with regards to the next issue, um, I don't know, I might do a focus on podcasts. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah there's, don't there do is that. definitely that one, form. Yeah, definitely. But there is uh, one interview that I do have with somebody um, who's experienced a lot of high strangeness Um and they sent that to me quite a while ago, so I'm uh, grateful for them that they're still interested in me running what they uh, what they provided. Excellent. Dave, just again, how can people find yourself and also how can they download the magazine when it's out? Okay, when it's out, and um, I shall put that on Twitter, at Shadows Magazine. Uh, probably pin it to the profile or it'll go around the Twitterverse anyway. Um you can either visit shadowsmagazine.co.uk and download all issues for free. Or if you just want to read it at your leisure, then go to issueiwuu.com slash shadows of your mind. And you'll be able to read all issues on there. Um, it's totally interactive. There's hyperlinks. So it, you can go off various different rabbit holes if you want. And I just want to mention, Dave, because I know you don't do this very well yourself, but uh, just to support you, is there a buy me a coffee link or a Patreon or anything like that people can support? Because it's a free magazine and you put a lot of work into it. Mm. <laughs> Cheers. Um, yeah, there's a buy me a link. Uh, buy, me, buy me a link. There's a buy, buy me, me a link. coffee link in there, yeah. Yeah, buy me a coffee link. Um, but obviously, it's up to you. You know, I'm, I'm not going uh, to badger on about it. Never do. I would throw Dave a Christmas coffee his way because he, he does a lot of work into this. And like myself, I appreciate he's got a family and a job and everything else. So um, if you can, it's a tough time of year for everyone, but um, slick a couple of dollars, whatever it might be for a coffee for Dave. And I'm sure that'll be appreciated, but he'll never ask yeah, you for absolutely. it himself. No. no, thanks, mate. Appreciate that. No problem. Dave, always good speaking with you. Yeah, you too, mate. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little 
little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fun. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little Imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. And I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head. And everything was weird and everything was red. And I called up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And I think I should. Because it doesn't really scare me. If you really want to know who I think they be, I think it's you and me and us and we and him and her and that and she and that thing over there and what's that, Jake? Tic-tac and not quite.